Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracing. And I am Corbin Heller. And welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> we're the like a hundred ten or so episodes in. If you're just joining us, what took you so long? Um, it's uh, it's it's the non-stats day, so we got uh, we got some some random ass shit to talk about. Eli Manning retired, and that's going to lend itself to a whole debate as to his Hall of Fame worthiness. There's also the MLB Hall of Fame announcements, which I talked about solo the other day, but you know, figured we'd bring it up just again briefly while Corwin's here. The Pro Bowl happened, or is is going to have happened. Later today, we're recording this on the Sunday. It's happening, happening, and uh, and if we get to it, we have some 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 searchy stuff that we did. Um, you ready to dive into it? I'm ready. All right. Eli Manning has left football. He has done so after a career uh, 236 games over 15 or 16 uh, uh, years. I always forget how you count it. You're supposed to count it. And um, in your mind, is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, well, in his 16 seasons, 16, uh, I just go. counted. Um, I think he has, I think he's going to be one of those guys that has a good chance to get in. But there's going to be a lot of people that definitely are against that. Uh, sentiment. I personally think he he has enough going for him to to get in. Um, but I think it'll be close. I mean, four time Pro Bowler that doesn't jump out at you as being you know spectacular. He's a two time Super Bowl champ, but it's hard to say that you know he was the guy to get them there and win it for them every time. Um, his Iron Man streak. I know that's not something people like to talk about being, you know, a Hall of Fame stat, but it's incredible nonetheless, and it's definitely gonna add to his case. Um, but yeah, I I think he sh- he should get in. Finally, I, I, yeah, I I I think I think he will. I think it'll take its time, mm-hmm. but. The fact that he played in New York is going to lend itself to his case. The fact that he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year award will certainly help. Like, being a nice guy in the world of sports will get you so far. Oh, yeah. Like, if Omar Vizquel was an asshole like Kurt Schilling, <laughs> it wouldn't, he wouldn't even be a th- fucking thought for the MLB Hall of Fame. But the fact he's being considered speaks volume to how fucking just nice of a guy he is to be around. Um, and that's Eli. He's always been a super great person with the media, with teammates, with coaches, uh, with his charity work, and that'll carry him a lot. Plus the two Super Bowl wins, plus his Iron Man streak. He's got a lot of that. Like, I think he'll get by like his the feeling around him because his stats aren't spectacular. He finishes with a QB record of one seventeen and one seventeen, um, which is just pure poetry. And never a tie. Yeah, wow. Never tied a game. Good for him. I think if I was a QB, I'd rather lose than tie. But that doesn't mean it's right. But <laughs> yeah. um, he plus he's a Manning. That'll help him. That definitely will help. Yeah. Being part of that family. 
Uh, Peyton Manning, sorry, not Peyton, Eli Manning, <laughs> has led the league in a few things, not frequently. <laughs> he led the league in interceptions three times, 20 uh, in 2007, won the Super Bowl, <laughs> 25 in 2010, and 20, uh, 27 in 2013. Um, those are actually his only three years over 20 interceptions every year under. He also led the league in longest pass twice. <laughs> in 2010, he threw a 92-yard pass. And in 2011, threw a 99-yard pass. Uh, won the Super Bowl. He led the league in sack percent once, 3.4. Um, and he led the league in fourth quarter comebacks once with five. And game-winning drives once with six. And that's the only things Eli Manning's ever led football in. Yeah, that's that's not great. Those are not the no. stats you want to really lead the uh, lead the league in. I mean, game winning drives, fourth quarter comebacks, you know, lowest sack percentage. Those are all good things, but those don't exactly shout as Hall of Fame numbers when those are what you have going for you. All right, Corwin. Now I'm going to play a game with you. I love games. All right, I want you to navigate away from Eli Manning's uh, Pro Football Reference page. Navigate it away. All right, we're now going to play the game. Eli or Vinny Testaverde? Ooh, <laughs> this sounds like a fun game. Okay, career yards, 46,000 and change. Eli or, Vizca- or um, Vinny? Vinny. That's Vinny. Yeah, Eli <laughs> with 57,000. All right. Uh, oh, okay. I was going as I thought you were saying the higher of the two numbers, and I was going with Vinny just because he was around longer. But okay, so yeah, I, no, I should have gotten it wrong, but I just happened to guess right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you a number. You have to guess if that number is Eli's number or Vinny's number. Okay. All but right. It's touch- not necessarily like the highest of the. T- All right. I got. Yeah, it. I got. It. I that's got it. why it'll be tricky. Um, <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, three hundred sixty-six. Um, Vinny. That's actually still Eli. Okay. Vinny has okay. 275. All right, now this is going to be a fun one. Interceptions. Eli. 267. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I'll go Vinny. That Here one is Vinny. That one is Vinny. He beats out Eli. Eli has 244. So he beats out Eli by just 23 interceptions. Ooh. All right, interception percent. Um, 3.0. I feel like this one has to be Eli. That one actually is Eli. Vinny is 4.0. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That that is so exceptionally bad. That's four times as much as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's just, if man, that's just Vinny football. Like if if you don't like that, you don't like Vinny Testament. You don't like Vinny football. (laughs) All right. All right. Yards per attempt, 6.9. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I'll go I'll go Vinny. That is Vinny, but what's crazy is it's so close because Eli is 7.0. Nice. Not All as right. nice, actually. Sacks, 411. Mm. Uh, let's see, 411. Um... I'll go Eli. That is Eli. Volovini's very close at 417. So what I'm taking from this is Eli Manning is Vinny Testaverde. 
yeah with two honestly, Super Bowl wins. honestly outside of a few um outside of like, like some of like the the passing stats just cause, like from a volume perspective mm-hmm. they're real like from an efficiency perspective they're really similar um all right and i i kind of okay, okay. Right, one, one more uh qb rating career 84.1 eli yeah vinny's a 75 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what but, what I'd like to change my answer. I don't think I think he will get in. I don't think Eli should be a Hall of Famer. So that's what's tough is like if this was um Jay Cutler, it's probably a no. And it's probably not much of a thought. Like, you know, like you know, let's let's say let's say uh Bears version of Jay Cutler, just because I think that's the most famous version of Jay Cutler. Uh, he'll he'll definitely get in like the Bears Ring of Honor, like like Peyton Art. God damn it! Like Eli already did, but without like, because Eli, like I said, Eli's got so much around him. He's got the last name. His brother's about to make the Hall of Fame. His dad's a super famous football player. He played in New York. He won the Super Bowls against the Patriots. Like just to add that context to it, because um, the stats. I mean, he really is just Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> With a shorter career. Which is not a good thing. That's not what you want going for you. Um, yeah, he, I just, more yards and all that, but not as not more efficiency by much. My my thinking, my thought process was I kind of missed out on the prime of Eli's career. Uh I was alive and conscious and you know, had a somewhat developed mind when he won his two Super Bowls, especially living in the central New Jersey area where everyone's a Giants fan. Everyone talks about Eli. And I think I was biased against him because of that, because I've heard so many positive things uh, in the past. And I've kind of acknowledged that he's been bad of late, but that wasn't indicative of his entire career i kind of just put that as you know it is what it is but man when you look at like the culmination of it all just those numbers are just not good and even when you go back and look at his stats from earlier in his career he was never he was never one of the top quarterbacks in the league and when you don't have a career that's you know when the sum of his parts is greater than any you know single peak that's kind of how i viewed of what eli's career would be but his isn't yeah i say the closest he ever came to being the best or in maybe in the top five maybe even top three single year 2011 is his 2011 season was phenomenal mm-hmm. he took that team kicking and screaming into the playoffs and then beat the patriots he threw for almost 5,000 yards that season, 4,933. Um, he did end up losing, um, or not losing, but Aaron Rodgers was chosen for um, MVP over him. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, like I think that was the one year where you could say, wow, Eli Manning did a really great, had a phenomenal year this year. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's a lot of like, oh, yeah, like he, he no, that was good. Um, 
Two more numbers for you, just to compare Vinny and Eli one final time. Yards per completion. Eli Manning is at 11.6. Is Vinny over or under? Under. Over. Really? 12.2. Wow. And the last two numbers I want to use to compare, Eli Manning's approximate value, which, again, just for reference, is the pro football reference catch-all stat a la war. Um, 165. Vinny's 142, separated by a mere 23 points. Wow. Yeah. I think another thing that, you know, just to add to all this that, you know, I just thought of, I think something that's going to be held against Eli that rightfully probably shouldn't, but there's really no avoiding it, is the draft class, the 2004 quarterback draft class that he came from. Mm. He is a very clear number three in that pecking order. And I, there's no way he's going to be able to avoid the comparisons to Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, no I way. Think, I think he, you know, even though he is Peyton Manning's brother, I don't think anyone's going to attempt to try and compare him to, you know, Peyton just because Peyton was on such another level for his, you know, for his career. You know, he was the best quarterback in the NFL for the vast majority of his career. I don't think he's going to draw that comparison. But if you compare Eli to Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, like, you know, you should, especially Philip Rivers, as he got traded for him. Um, it it really just doesn't hold up all that well. Real quick. uh so, like I said, Eli Manning's approximate value, 165. You want to guess what Peyton's is? Uh, 250. 271. Yeah. A hundred <laughs> points better. I mean, Peyton is my... I, I know we've had this argument on the podcast before, and I'm sure we will have it again. I still think Peyton Manning is the best quarterback to play the game. Uh, and it... It's, you know, I wish Eli could have been close to that because, you know, that's just better for the game of football. But Peyton has been on such another level forever. Oh, he's my Peyton was like my favorite quarterback to watch as a kid. Mm -hmm. I love he do is so good. And like, he's the guy that like, I don't know about you, but he's the guy that like taught me like what it means to like read a defense. Not that I can, but like to understand that like that's what. (laughs) But just just to know that like that's right. what they're doing, you know, and like ah, I just I just loved Peyton Manning. It was yeah, it was so cool being able to see a guy like outsmart a defense, you know, like he, you could tell he knew exactly what was coming. You knew he knew exactly what he needed to do, and he was the sheriff, man. He was the sheriff. Omaha. Like maybe maybe we should do a an episode on Peyton Manning and to all like all time great quarterbacks again because. Why not? Oh, I'll be down. Um, all right. So, how is? I don't know how NFL Hall of Fame works. Is it like baseball, where you get like ten years of eligibility? I actually have no idea. I'll look it up. Well, I assume you have another thought. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, you know, Jeter, first ballot guy, and everyone knew that it was going to be a first ballot guy, but. Someone, someone like Omar Vizquel, if he gets in, that's a later ballot guy. 
You know, that's a guy you could see getting in on their seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth year. Um, if he was to get in, which honestly, he's sitting at like 50%. He might very well get in. When Larry Walker first debuted on the uh, um, Hall of Fame ballot, I think he got like 10% of the vote. So start starting out of 50s, basically he's a shoe in at some point down the road. And I was wondering what ballot year you think Eli would eventually make it in on. Uh, it would be it would be late. Um, I I don't see him getting in. You know, maybe the first three, four, five years. Um, but if it is, you know, out of ten, maybe on the tail end of that, somewhere in the last five. Um. It really comes down to who's on there with them. Um, so the way it works is there's a 48-person committee with 15 at-large delegates uh, from you know media members. Um, and then basically it's 25 semifinalists that gets narrowed down to 18 finalists. Um and then it's selected, and you have to get on, get in with eighty percent of the vote. Um, there is at least four, but no more than eight candidates selected annually. I can't find anywhere on here that lists that there's a limit to how many times you can be nominated. Just that it's a selection process about who gets nominated. Um, so I'll try to do a little more digging. It sounds like a very secretive and weird process. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds right. How it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of also, you have to be, uh, you have to be retired for five years. So five more years and then we can see Eli on here. Yeah. That that's the same for MLB. You have to be at least five years out. So transitioning. Over to Hall of Fame announcements that we do have. Only two people made the Hall of Fame this year for baseball. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. What make you of that? Um, I mean, I know Derek Jeter was going to get in. Think yeah, anyone the whole fucking was trying world. To, yeah. Um, I think it's really funny that one stubborn guy was holding out to make sure he wasn't unanimous. Um which is, I guarantee you, the only reason he didn't vote for Jeter because he thinks he he knew he was going to get voted in, but he didn't want him to be voted in unanimously because he didn't deserve that. Um, Bitch. Yeah. I mean, granted, I personally don't think he should have been a unanimous selection. I think, you know, with Mariano Rivera, of all people, being the only one in the history of baseball to have that selection unanimously, I know it's a weird argument because, you know, yes, other guys should have been unanimous and you shouldn't hold that against someone now because, you know, the thoughts have changed where you don't have to hold guys off just because of that. Whatever the weird thoughts are, I feel like Mariano Rivera is so much better of a player at his position than World's Jeter was. It's kind of weird that in back-to-back years, two guys, two Yankees, uh, at that would get voted in unanimously um, despite having such, you know, being such worlds apart in talent level at their position. Um, but I do think he should have gotten in. Yeah. If, if I think this would be such a 
more of a non-story if Jeets missed like 15 votes, mm -hmm. you know, because then it's like, all right, no, like he'd still be over 95% probably. I, I think that would work out well math wise. I, yeah. So it wouldn't be like an issue, but you go, ah, oh, all right. Some people are dicks, whatever, moving on. I think it's only not even an issue, but or just it's just a, a thing on Twitter that circulated for a while because it was just the one singular vote. Right. Um, not that it matters. Yeah. Do you want to go over their stats? Or we already did that already with uh, talking about finalists, right? Uh, I believe I did it in the episode, uh, the last episode, because I did talk Got about it. this briefly. I have not been able to listen to it yet. That's okay. But Real I quick. Def I definitely like listening to the ones where it's just you because now I know what our podcast could be if it was done, <laughs> you know, professionally. Oh, shut and, up. You know, because I don't know what's that. So. Uh, what do you think about the Larry Walker getting in on the Larry Walker? What do you think about the Larry Walker getting in on his last year? I like that he got in. I think he's definitely deserving. I, you know, I can't say that I followed a ton of, you know, Hall of Fame voting prior to us starting this podcast and talking about it. So I didn't realize the extent to which his voting percentage just shot out of a cannon uh, over the past couple years, which was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very glad he got in. Yeah, no, it was definitely a night. Like I said, he started off in his first year of eligibility at like ten or eleven percent, so he really climbed. Um, it's it's super great to see, and it would he's just such a deserving dude. Really nice guy from everything we could tell, and uh, most war of any player from Canada, which is you know, you think that would be. I I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like that's just such a weird thing that is a thing you yeah what i mean what's crazy is that joey Votto is only like 12 war or 13 war shy of passing him because i don't know if you're aware of this but joey Votto has over 60 war right now really yeah long, i you know how long he's been playing before I, I try and look it up i think a long time i want to say 15 years 2007 to 2019 so 12 12 seasons yeah all right i knew it was more than 10 13 seasons um, yeah so i was Again, we, are, we are bad at figuring that out well, i was close uh which is so i'm having about joey Votto career ops 150 just so casual 150 ops plus sorry yes ops plus if his ops career... was 150 he would not have 60 work. career ops <laughs> career on base percentage of uh of 421 just just throwing it out there so fucking high god he's just so fucking good that's like Cheech and Chong levels of high. I I actually like ha 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> I I really hope he makes the Hall of Fame someday. I do too. I do too. I think uh, I think he will. I have hopes. I, if if he can keep up, I know this past year wasn't great for him. It was a down year. Even in a down year, though, a ninety-eight OPS isn't terrible. Um, OPS plus. Fuck, I did it again. Um. But I know this was a down year, but honestly, I think Joey Votto, just by sheer force of will, could still get himself back up to form. He's oh, just yeah. so I mean, talented. Being a you know, 98 OPS plus is below average, obviously, but essentially average. Being an average hitter at 36 years old, it, like 
I know people are holding it against him. Oh, like this is it. He's done. Like this is the end of Joey Votto. He just doesn't quite have just the hit tool anymore. The dude's 36. What do you expect? Like people say like this is detrimental to his career or at least, you know, people I've talked to on Twitter about it. Um, this is uh, Joey Votto. He still has the goods. I don't know why people are upset. Oh, very, very much so. And you know what's going to be fun is Joey Votto right now is 134 hits away from 2,000, which means he will get to 2,000 hits next season. Yes, he will. And I might start watching a lot of Reds games near the end of the season. The Reds are going to be a fun team this year. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you tune into any Angels games 2018 when Albert Pujols is going for 600 mm, home yes. runs? The like two or three games where he was right there. Yeah, same. Uh, Those were fun games. Every one of his at bats was just like everyone was waiting for it. Uh, it would have been really fun to go to one of those games and just be able to be in the stands, like not even sit in the outfield trying to catch the ball, but just to be there, just to feel that energy. I feel like, uh, you know, I forget the name, but Angel Stadium would have been just electric the whole time. God, I would love. I would. Ah, I want to. I want to experience Albert Pujols baseball at least one time in real life before it comes to its sad conclusion. Man, the looking at the Reds depth chart, they're gonna have a fun team this year. I don't know how good they're gonna be. I mean, their pitching's good. They have some really good hitters, but they just look like they're gonna be so much fun. So, uh, rotations: Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Anthony Discafon. This Galfani, I think. Yeah, something like that. And Wade Miley, uh, Joey Votto, Mike Mustakis, Freddie Galvis, and Eduardo Suarez. Eugenio Suarez, excuse me. A Eugenio uh, Suarez. Oh fuck, I forgot. We even I know talked about that. Yeah, I know. And then um, Aristid Keys. Oh, dude, it's been so long since I've looked at these <laughs> names. I can't pronounce any of these. Aristides Aquino. Nick Senzel and Jesse Winker in the outfield with Trevor Barnhart catching. That's going to be just a lot of those players are super hit or miss. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, it should be really fun. Yeah, no, that team, they might actually be good soon, too, because they their their second half last year was was um, relatively strong, actually. Mm hmm. At least given them, you know. Oh God! So I wanted to talk about the Pro Bowl, yes, and sir. I realized that we haven't talked about. I don't really care about the Pro Bowl, but I just realized we haven't talked about it. Um, and it being one of those things that happens, felt like we should. So, yeah. Do you have any idea of who's in the Pro Bowl? I just pulled it up. There's a lot of players because there are so many fucking alternates. Um, so many. Which is really annoying, but that's that's a discussion we could have at the end of this. Um, I was going to read in, like read out everyone, but there it's are not worth it. too many people. Um, yeah, they already had the skills competition, I think, on Friday, or it was yesterday. My week has just kind of turned into a, a singular awake asleep cycle. You know how it goes. Yeah. Um, 
that is significantly more fun and exciting to watch than the actual Pro Bowl game. Uh, and I think that is one of the most universally held opinions by NFL fans. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I think we talked about this last year, too. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not interesting, the actual game. But there's no good way of making it interesting because you don't want to make it a big softy show mm-hmm. because you don't want him getting hurt. It's not a real game. So, but if you make it a big softy show that so no one gets hurt, then it's not fun to watch. But if you make it a real game and someone gets hurt, it's like, why'd you get hurt during a meaningless game? And I think the solution to this is flag football. I was just thinking the exact same thing as you started talking about how they could make it fun. Or, yeah. Like, especially since, you know, the NHL All-Star game was last night. Three-on-three hockey the entire time. It's the most exciting form of hockey in my mind. It's so um, much fun. It's, oh, I love it. Honestly, like, no offense to linemen who are by far the most underappreciated uh, players in the NFL. Maybe just have, you know, like, one to three of you uh, without, you know, too much going on there or maybe just a center uh, and then just have a quarterback running back and some wide receivers out there playing against uh, safety and some cornerbacks. That'd be fucking exciting being able to just have this open space for receivers to move around in. You'll see these big, long plays because, you know, the open space. It would be really fun to watch. And, you know, again, you don't have to see uh, Sean Taylor decapitate a punter on live TV because, you know, Pro Bowl ain't the place for that. I have another idea. Let's hear it. All right. It's it's a regular game. Helmets and pads. But all the all the positions are switched around. So so you have you have guards playing wide receiver. You have you have defensive linemen playing cornerback. You have cornerbacks playing playing nose tackle, and that's the game. <laughs> I can't hate. I can't say I hate that. <laughs> I really can't. I. I just I just want to see three hundred pound men running at each other. <laughs> uh, the idea of Aaron Donald playing, you know, running back and looking like fucking Le'Veon Bell out there compared to everybody else would be hilarious. Um. Who's the fattest guy in the NFL right now? Isn't that, that guy in the Titans? Um, which guy in the Titans? Isn't there a, a, a tackle on the Titans who's like 320 or 30 or some shit? Uh, I mean, probably. Oh, no. I, 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 thought, I, I, I thought that there was that on guy. On the top of my head. Um, I googled heaviest NFL player. And Aaron Gibson came up. He played for the Bears. Um, do you want to take a just a wild guess uh, at how much he weighs? All right. I have one question. Yes. Is it over 400 pounds? Yes. Oh, God. 415. Ooh, so close. 410. Wow, that's a big man. I I found a Reddit I found a Reddit thread called 2019 All uh, Weight Team on Reddit. Ooh, yes, has to work out well. Give Um, it to me. Only starters are eligible. Oh my god, 
there are some fat fucking people on here. Let's just go through the team. Yeah. Uh, quarterback Cam Newton at 245 pounds. It's a big boy. Derek Henry, running back, 238 pounds. Uh, wide receivers, Mike Evans at 231, Devin Funches at 225, and Julio Jones at 220. Damn, Julio uh, weighs that much? Yeah, he's he's a thick boy. Uh, I have to imagine Kelvin Benjamin would be on here if he was still starting, but there's no way he is. Tight end. Can you, can you go back go to the ahead. beginning? I want to keep track of these weights. Uh, Cam Newton's 245. 245, got it. Derrick Henry, 238. Okay. Mike Evans, 231. Jesus, all right. Devin Funches, 225. Got it. Julio Jones, 220. Got it. Then at tight end, we have Vance McDonald at 267, which wow. I not would not have guessed at all. Damn, okay. Um, he does not move like he weighs 267 pounds. Um, at tackles, holy shit. Trent Brown. Are you familiar with Trent Brown? I've heard of the name. 380 pounds. Ooh, that is... Uh, wow, okay. Then we have Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, at 345. Oh, he's a little guy. Yeah. Uh, guards, we have Brandon Brooks and DJ Fluker at 346 and 342, respectively. And then at center, we have Brandon Linder at 320 pounds. Okay. Um, with Derrick Henry and that offensive line, uh, they could rush for probably a thousand yards a game. Is that is that the whole team? That is the offense. Okay, that offense weighs thirty one hundred fifty nine pounds. What's the uh, what's the average? So divided by eleven. Sure. The average player on that team weighs two hundred eighty seven pounds. <laughs> fuck that is a heavy team yeah that is um that is a group of people i would not want to play football against because i would snap very quickly oh yes oh my god could you jesus it's that that that's got to be imposing you know like obviously the those players are all talented as well so that's that's an imposition but like just the sheer stature of a team built like that fuck you ready for the defense? Oh, man, I guess so. So this is a 4-3 defense, so four linemen, three linebackers, which is only going to make this team heavier. Um, uh, so defensive ends, we have Cameron Jordan at 287 pounds uh, and Carlos Dunlap at 280. Uh, interior linemen, we have Damon Snacks Harrison at 353 pounds and Vita Vey at 346. Uh, linebackers, um, they don't have their specific positions, but whatever. Uh, Dante Hightower at 260, Reggie Ragland at 258, and Leighton Vander Esch at 256. Cornerbacks, we have Xavier Rhodes at 218 and Jimmy Smith at 210. And then safety, Landon Collins at 222 and Derwin James at 215. And then uh, as a nickelback, they have Akib Talib at 209 pounds. Wow, it feels weird that the offense weighs more than the defense. Mm-hmm. The, uh, 
Go ahead. Well, <laughs> the defense weighs 300, Thursday, 3,114 pounds. That's, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's close, but average it's, player yeah. weighs 283 pounds. That's, again, I want to watch this football game because there would be some some heavy hits. Not exactly oh, yeah. a speed game here, but my goodness. Oh, definitely uh, a power game. Yeah, I I honestly think the defense or the offense would have a major advantage, though. Oh, I think so too. Put it, that's what I'm saying. Putting all those weights together, I mean, like you really have the just the room to shove people around, right? And you know, with Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry, like they're gonna be able to move the ball, and I just don't think the like, Xavier Rhodes and Jimmy Smith are gonna be able to shut down Evans and Jones. No, no, yeah, the talent level on the offense is also like mm-hmm. just super high. Uh, and then we also have special teams here. Uh, kicker Aldrich Rosas is 234 pounds, and punter Johnny Hecker is 241. Uh, they have an honorable mention for Seabass, uh, Sebastian Janikowski, who is uh, 260 pounds. Wow. Wow. But he is retired. The uh, only first round kicker, right? Yeah. Uh, at least of the modern era. Yeah, it might might have been um, what's his face? Um, who who's the all time leading uh scorer? Adam Vinatieri. Uh, the guy he took it from, Morton Anderson. Oh. Yeah, was he first I think, round? I think so. Morton Anderson, I feel like is yeah. Uh, he was drafted. Uh, how quickly can I do this? He was a fourth round pick, so I take it back. Seabass still reigns supreme. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. So that's all the, uh, the like news ish. We didn't talk about the rosters for the pro bowl, but at the same time, like we did the all pro. So if you listen to that episode, you know, all the names we would have been reading anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the alternates make things a little bit different. Like, you know, Pat Mahomes isn't going to go, uh, because he's playing in the super bowl. Not that he got the all pro nod, um, because he didn't, but just like shit shit like this or, or Zach Ertz. Or not Zach Ertz, um um the other tight end who's white. Um who am I thinking of? Travis Kelsey. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna go because he's in the he's in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, so that kind of stuff. But again, if you listen to the all pro episode or if you just know who the all pros were, you know who the pro bowlers were. So yeah. moving on from that. Uh, I do have a, a, a play index query we can talk about for a bit before we get out of here. That yeah, work for absolutely. you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I ran a search. I wanted to find just loosely who was some of the most fun baseball players were. <laughs> so I did uh, 1,500 hits, 300 home runs, and 300 stolen bases. Um, and... Uh, at first, I did 2,000 hits, but I want to see how much it, it, it would have increased if I did 1,500 hits. It actually didn't increase that much, so I can give you the results with and without. I'll start with the 2,000 hits, actually, just to make it more interesting. Sure. Um, you ready for this list of names? Yes. All right. The players with 2,000 hits, 300 home runs, and 300 stolen bases. Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, Andrew Dawson. Carlos Beltran and Steve Finley. Um, who the fuck is Steve Dawson? 
Oh, Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson, and then the last guy was Steve. Those Andre guys, I have never heard of. Andre Dawson. Um, he was he was an expo for a very long time. Uh, apparently, he also was very good in Chicago, uh, and then he played in Boston, and then he 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 was a it was a Florida Marlin for two years. His playing career ran from seventy six to ninety six. He's in the Hall of Fame. Won MVP, eight-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove, Rookie of the Year, four-time Silver Slugger, sixty-four point eight WAR. Um, he was a good baseball player. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's well known that I am not the best with uh, baseball players, but uh, he sounds like a kind of guy I probably should know. That was a name I knew. I couldn't have told. I I, I couldn't have told you to play for the Cubs. I I. I think i've known that he was a, an expo just because that's usually like a closer knit group of players uh in terms of like when they're talked about right. because the expo's existence was kind of awkward um the other player though steve finley i want you to go to steve finley's baseball reference page just so you can see that he looks like drug addled robert de niro Ooh, um, that is a sentence that i've never heard before but i'm <laughs> very excited to hear uh, a Steve? drug-addled. Oh my God, that's a drug-addled Robert De Niro, <laughs> right? That is Robert De Niro's little brother who later became a meth addict. Yes, it is. Wow, <laughs> right? I've never been so excited to see someone's picture on Baseball Reference before. <laughs> so Steve, Steve Finley, <laughs> and he has a Twitter. <laughs> oh, he does. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Steve Finley played for 19 years, played for Baltimore for two, Houston for four, the Padres for four, Arizona for like five and a half, the Dodgers for a year and a half, the Giants for a year, and the Rockies for a year. Uh, 44.3 career war, two-time silver slugger, five-time gold glover, and won the World Series in 01, and um, is not in the Hall of Fame. And I have never heard of him before. Uh, no. So he he's a weird addition to this list because it's... Barry Bonds, like Barry fucking Bonds. It's Alex Rodriguez who be in the Hall of Fame. All right, am I back? Yeah, you're back. All right. When what was the last thing you heard me say? Uh, Alex Rodriguez. Okay. All right. Alex Rodriguez, who might be a Hall of Famer, depending on how you view the steroid stuff. Willie Mays, Inner Circle Hall of Famer. Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer. Carlos Beltran, if you take away the last three years, <laughs> would have been a Hall of Famer. And then Steve Finley. Can we? Uh... After this uh, episode finishes up, can uh, one of us go on the Juicing the Numbers Twitter uh, with a picture of his baseball reference photo and tweet at him with the fact that we think he is a uh, drug addict, uh, Robert De Niro, and see if he responds to us? I mean, he only, how... he only has like 1,800 followers, so I don't feel really? like we're... Yeah, it's not... Well, I mean, it's Steve Finley. Come on. Um... I don't. I think he'd actually respond to us if he uses Twitter. I I I hope so because I I want him to know that we're thinking about it. Yeah, 
<laughs> Steve. 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 What's up? Come on the podcast, Steve. Oh, Come on. oh dude. Oh. I would lose it. All right. I have a lot of hopes right now, and I have a feeling they're going to be crushed. Uh, I, real, real quick. <laughs> so what do you think of this list as like uh synopsis of fun baseball players? Um I I mean for all I know they are extremely fun. Um everyone outside of our buddy Steve, close friend Steve, uh is extremely fun. So yeah, I think with Steve on there it only makes it more fun. <laughs> what 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 else do you classify as being fun for like a baseball player? Because I figured hits not necessarily home runs um because but i did leave a threshold but like 1500 hits like getting a hit is exciting even if it's just a little bit exciting it's still exciting stolen bases is exciting like, mm-hmm. walks i didn't put because walks aren't walks are super useful but i'm not sure a walk is exciting maybe like uh, total bases oh okay that's a good one you know a hit a single's fun ichiro suzuki was fun but super fun doubles and triples are more fun no, no, that's actually um, a really good point because I was debating putting in triples for that base for basically that reason, but not that thought process because like triples are a fun thing, but like you don't get a lot of them. But your idea of total bases kind of just incorporates hits, home runs, and stolen bases all into one. I like that idea. What about errors created? Because an error, you know, for the opposing team, that's pretty fun to watch because it's exciting. It's you know. Not good baseball, obviously, but it adds excitement to the game. So it's it's gonna be, you know, it's it's not us trying to find who are the best fun players, but who added the most excitement to a game. And guys who fuck up a lot are kind of fun to watch. You know, you're right. I want to see if that's an option. Please, please, please be an option. Please show me errors. Um. Oh, come on! <laughs> I want errors. Show me the money. Oh, I don't see error. I guess fielding stats isn't the thing for this search. Fuck. I I have I have defensive war. Sure. Hold on. Let me just make <laughs> sure. How are they by have... like negative defensive war? How did? How is there D war and not errors? It just feels wrong. All right, whatever. So I'll do DWAR. So I have total bases at more greater than or equal to 3,000 and total DWAR less than or equal to negative 25. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to look or if I have to reset these numbers, but let's just see. Uh, let's just see what this comes up with, if anything. Because um, this is going to be two players. <laughs> Ooh. Two players who are also, might I add, currently on the Hall of Fame ballot. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Sheffield and Adam Dunn. Ooh. Gary Sheffield had 4,737 total bases and negative 27.7 D-War. Oh, my God. And Adam Dunn had 3,371 total bases and negative 28.9 D-War. Oh, they're so bad at defense. Wow. Wow. By the way, Gary Sheffield this year got 30.5% of the votes needed for the Hall of Fame. Adam Dunn, 
fell off the ballot with one single vote for 0.3%. Who the fuck gave Adam Dunn a singular vote? Probably the guy that didn't vote for Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now I want to... Who, can you do a search of who has the, uh, the I guess, the lowest DWAR? The most negative DWAR in their career? Um. Yeah, let me just take out the total bases one, I guess. Um fucking leaving that at zero and i'm gonna sort it by defensive war ascending order all right let's see what we got all right let's see most uh least dwar most negative dwar oh my search didn't run oh he's left total bases in there my bad people my bad ah, you had one job Josh. unless one these are the job. only Unless these are the only two people with more than negative 25 D. Is that possible? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's there's got to be some other guys in there somewhere. Is that... Po All right, hold on. Hold on. I'm just going to take out the D-War thing entirely. And I'm just going to sort every baseball player by negative defensive war. And see Your how that goes. Peter is going to kill you. I... No, that can't be... They can't be the only two. They can't be. It's just, I, no, I, cause there's gotta be more glove first baseman than, than glove first hitters. Right. Yeah. All right. So my problem is that now when I ran that, it just returned a bunch of people who had never accumulated any D war and that's not helpful. So I got, I got for the D war back in. Oh my goodness. Corwin, what's happening? All what right. What's going on? All right, I'll, I I need I need to solve. I know this is a huge deviation, and I'm sorry that you're all listening to this, but <laughs> but we need answers. All right, neg negative ten. I'm gonna put a negative ten, and, and we're gonna run it again because I need to know. Like Jeter had a bad D war. I'm pretty sure. Like that was a whole big talking point. Is he was bad at defense. No, it's Adam Dunn and Gary Sheffield. Those are the two worst. Adam Dunn is the worst defender of all time. Wow. Adam yeah, That's, so Adam, um, they are literally the only two batters that have more than negative twenty-five D Ah, uh, that is that is bad. I yeah, it goes uh, Adam Adam Dunn with the twenty-eight point nine that I already said, Gary Sheffield the negative twenty-seven point seven, then Frank Howard with negative twenty-four, Dave Winfield a negative twenty-two point two twenty point seven, and Frank Thomas with negative twenty-two point five, tied with Don Baylor for negative twenty-two point five. But yeah, like that's that's it. That was the list. Well, I can't say they're going to get my Hall of Fame vote. That's just impressive. Yeah, that oh, I'm, I'm impressive. Sure. Yeah, that's a word for it. Um, uh, just just to wrap things up, when I lowered the uh, threshold to fifteen hundred hits, just to loop this all back around, uh, we got two more players. Uh, you're going to know at least one of the names. Let maybe may, maybe both. So okay. if we lower the threshold, so 1,500 hits, 300 home runs, 300 stolen bases, the two new names are Reggie Sanders and Bobby Bonds. Oh, I know Bobby. So of all the players with 1,500 hits, 300 home runs, and 300 stolen bases, 25% of them are, are, are Bonds. That's, that's good. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corbin, what team did Reggie Sanders play for? 
Oh, you know, the uh, Oakland A's. You know what is funny is that's a great guess because everyone played for the A's and it's not right. Um, <laughs> he played for the Reds, the Padres, the Braves, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Pirates, the Cardinals, and the Royals, but not the A's. There are so many teams that it could have been right. <laughs> um, yeah, Reggie Sanders, who won the World Series in 01, was a one-time All-Star and otherwise was uninteresting. And Bobby Bonds, who was a very good player for the San Francisco Giants, and then also played for the Yankees, the Angels, the Rangers, the Indians, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. Um, and probably would have been a borderline Hall of Famer, 57.9 war, an MVP, three-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, but ultimately is not in and probably will remain that way and was the inspiration for Barry Bonds to become a giant. And as we all know, Barry Bonds, very, very good at baseball. Yeah, you know, above average. You know, only a casual 105 more war than his dad. Yeah, that's nothing. I uh, bet I could have more war than my dad if I played professional baseball. Do you think that having like negative one point, like like 1.0 war is more than your dad or is it less war? Because your dad's war is technically like zero. non-existent. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is it zero or is it not on the chart? Because like if it's not on, if it's not even on the scale, is being negative on the scale a better representation of talent than not being on the scale? You know what I'm saying? That is a actually very good philosophical question. I feel like it's a Schrodinger's cat kind of thing where as long as you have accumulated war, positive or negative, it's better than what he has because you don't know how good or how bad he could be. Oh, okay. Because he hasn't played. Yeah. So if I had negative 50 war, I'd still be better than my father. I think you would. I stand by this. <laughs> if you ever throw to if you ever throw out the first pitch to a baseball game, you have more war dad. <laughs> oh, I I have some calls to make because <laughs> I have not rubbed something in his face in a long time and I <laughs> I need something. I hope you get it, my friend. I hope you get it. <laughs> Shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All right. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to find us uh, or send us an email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Would be. Bye.